honesty, intelligence, compassion, and innovation rank high as traits of a good leader, according to a Pew Research Center report on what makes a good leader. The report also found that when comparing these traits between men and women, women scored higher in most of these categories. But why aren't more women occupying executive leadership roles? Welcome to Keys to the Future podcast. I'm Gabby Coe, a systems engineering fellow at one of the most successful engineering companies in the world. I'd like to inspire you to stay focused on your STEM education and career journeys through conversations with my guests. Let's get started. According to Corn Ferry, a leading global people and organizational advisory company, women outperform men in 11 of the 12 emotional intelligence competencies. If you recall from our episode on emotional intelligence, psychology today defines emotional intelligence as our ability to identify and manage our emotions, as well as the emotions of others. The Corn Ferry research collected data from over 55,000 people across 90 countries and found that women use the emotional and social competencies associated with effective leadership and management more effectively than men. So it seems logical that more women should be performing in executive leadership roles. Historically, men have occupied the majority of senior leadership positions, and although small gains in representation have occurred in the last decade, Zipia.com's article on 25 Women in Leadership Statistics, Facts on the Gender Gap in Corporate and Political Leadership, cites that women hold 35% of senior leadership positions compared to men who hold 65% of these positions. Imagine the powerhouse that companies can unleash when they apply more diversity through the ranks, especially at senior levels. This season, I'm delighted to speak with women who have achieved the highest levels of leadership, and I'm very excited and curious to learn about their journeys. Let's hear from our guest. Our guest today is Mary Patrician, retired corporate vice president and president of Northrop Grumman Defense Systems Sector, a leading global provider of defense solutions addressing evolving threats and quick turn requirements. In this role, she oversaw delivery of a broad spectrum of critical technology services, sustainment and modernization, integrated battle command systems, tactical weapons, and information systems to a wide variety of national security, military, and civilian customers. Mary has extensive global experience in business and operational leadership in government and defense markets. Prior to joining Northrop Grumman, Mary held leadership roles at Cinder Link and Hughes Aircraft Company and in program management, strategy, and business development in mergers and acquisitions at Raytheon. Mary earned a bachelor's degree in electrical and computer engineering from Clarkson University and a master's degree in computer engineering from Syracuse University. She completed advanced management programs, including the Executive Business Leadership Program at the University of Chicago and Indiana University's Executive Marketing Program. Currently, she serves on the Corporate Partnership Council for the Society of Women Engineers, or SWE, and on the Board of Governors of the United Service Organizations, or USO. Mary is a fellow life member of SWE and is a senior member of the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. Welcome, Mary, and thank you for sharing your experiences with our Keys to the Future community. Thank you so much, Gabby. It's wonderful to be here, and I'm so pleased you asked me. Such an illustrious career, and I'm honored to have worked under your leadership at Northrop Grumman. And so I'm curious about your journey to being a C-suite executive. Take me back to your early career self. 
Did you always know that you wanted to be a senior leader of an organization? Was that part of your career roadmap? And if not, at what point did you realize that a senior executive role was achievable and what steps did you take to get there? Well, that's a big question. I would say that I didn't have a C-suite executive role in mind as I started my career. I thought that I would be an engineer and work my way up a technical ladder over time. And that did happen uh, much more quickly than I anticipated. And so as I became a senior engineer and team leader, it occurred to me that I had kind of gotten to a level where I thought I would end my career. And I was really only about six years in. So I had to do a reset of my expectations and what was possible. I realized at that time that I was a good engineer, but I was surrounded by engineers who I deem extraordinary. And I realized that I loved working with the customer. And that's what helped me realize that I wanted to get more into management and leadership and work with our customers and bridge that gap back to the people on our teams to try to translate their desires and needs from the customer side to what our people could create as solutions for their problems. And it kind of expanded from there when I realized that I enjoyed doing that, I was pretty good at it, and wanted to continue to grow my career in that vein. So after all that, what is it like to be a corporate vice president and sector president of one of the most successful engineering companies in the world? Well, Gabby, as you know, our Northrop Grumman company is fantastic. It provides such an important set of solutions for what I see as a key purpose for me. And so that alignment has always been one of the most important things to getting me up every morning, not keeping me up at night, if you will. And so the mission of creating a national security environment that we can have the lives that we have in our country and in our allies, as well as supporting human discovery of what may be going on in the universe is a pretty broad set of really important things to spend your time on. And getting to do that in an environment where I believe the culture is one that is very collaborative it's one that's very collegial, and I feel like I got to contribute to creating that and helping to inspire our teams and our people to deliver on their commitments, to do the things that we promised, to work in an environment of shared success, and, and to pioneer new solutions to problems that perhaps seem intractable has just been a really exciting leadership role. I definitely agree with you. Working at Northrop Grumman has also been a great experience for me, and it's an awesome company culture, and like you mentioned, collaborative and shared success. We pioneer solutions for tough customer problems. So I definitely agree with you, and I'm honored to be there. People's perception of someone in the C-suite may be that of glamour and jet-setting through meetings and conferences and going to interesting places, and 
having people do a lot of the work and solving tough customer challenges, like we mentioned. What is a common myth about executive leaders? Well, I just got back from a trip to Tasmania and New Zealand, one that I've always wanted to take, and I've been to Australia many times and many other international destinations, and I would say I would probably not have rated those as glamorous. <laughs> they were quick turns and lots of focus on business and very little sleep, but it was an important part of the job. I think a common myth that really strikes me is that senior leaders that get to levels of running major elements of the business know everything. And I can tell you, for me, for sure, that is not and was not true, and I don't believe it to be true for many of our senior leaders. But what is important is recognizing that and realizing that you need to listen, you need to surround yourself with a diverse set of people who think differently, who have different backgrounds and experiences, and then you can bring that all together, kind of like a conductor of an orchestra, and use the best of what people bring to the table, and that really is what helps. I like that analogy, conductor of an orchestra, because not every single person has all the answers, but it's that diversity of thought that helps us get to the to that pioneer spirit and have those solutions for our customers and help our culture as well and our company as well. You're and, absolutely spot on. I think if you do fall into the trap of believing that you have all the answers, you get a very limited set of solutions sometimes and not the best of what there could be. Absolutely. So you have served in so many different roles from program management, strategy and business development, and in technology. What is the most important lesson you have learned over your career? Well, all of the roles that I've had have been very different. And it's important, I believe, to move around and try different types of roles. And what I learned as I increased the level that I was at in my career is that I started to spend and needed to spend less time on the actual technical work, on the actual solution development, and more time with the people in our business as well as the customer, making sure that we had the right people focused on the right things so that we could actually meet the commitments that we were making. Putting together a team where you can get all the right players with the right skills and the right strengths doing things that they really enjoy and working with our customers to make sure you really understand what it is they're looking for and how you can create that environment for the best things to be created is a lot of fun. It's where I enjoy spending my time. It's pretty abstract. It's less concrete, and so it's not for everybody. But if that's where you feel comfortable operating, it's a great kind of role and a great place to be. Yeah, absolutely. I agree that leaders have that, what would I say, like maybe superpower of being influencers and knowing the people, what they can do, and how to get those people together to really evolve a solution to where it needs to be or to the next level. 
I think it takes a special individual that gets to know the people, what their capabilities can be or their talent and how to bring the best out of people to know that they can work together and communicate well. That's right. And one of the hardest lessons to learn as a leader is that it's okay to ask for help. And people actually enjoy being asked for help because they feel like that they've got their own superpower that you see in them and that they can bring that to the table. So I think asking for help and focusing on the people are key elements of leadership. Asking for help is a strength because, like we said before, you can't possibly know everything, but asking for help and bringing the people together to evolve solutions is very important. There's a saying that timing is everything. Have you been in situations where your career plan just didn't work out because the timing wasn't right? How did you handle that? That question for me really kind of relates to life balance. It's how you think about all the elements of your life and what you're striving for in each of them and what is important at any given time. And it could be that there's a family situation that really trumps taking that next promotion or moving to that next role that you know will take more of your time initially and that sort of thing. And I think we all kind of run into those. I wish I could say that I had this great plan of what my career would be when, but I think it's really hard to plan that. What I do think it, it's easier to think about is to be prepared to take different roles at different times that allow you to be prepared when you're called on for that next thing, or you're ready and you believe that that next thing is right for you. You wanna make sure that you've got the right things in your background, the right experiences that will allow you to be successful doing that. I was looking at taking an interview for a job, I recall when I was in Texas, and I didn't particularly care for Texas, and so I was on a path to find my way out of Texas and some different part of the country that I would enjoy more, and it didn't work out for me. It was something that the leader interviewed me for and interviewed my boss for and then told mm -hmm. me it wasn't quite the right time for me, and that was a little difficult to hear. But six months later, that same leader came back to me and offered me a, a role in a different place. And that's how I ended up in Colorado. And I'm so thankful that I did. So sometimes things happen for the better and you just don't know it at the time. Yeah, I agree that being prepared. But I think having an open mind to try new things so that you're preparing yourself and maybe getting some experience under your belt that you don't know will prepare you for a role like this, but in essence it, it is because everything kind of builds up on its own and having that open mind to try new things, open opportunities that may be the right time and may not be, but then you can be the judge, like you said, considering all factors within your work-life balance, but having that open mindset to try new things is really important. In most cases, every position, just like we were saying just now, every position we hold prepares us for the next step. And investing in yourself is so important to gain knowledge and new skills. I'm interested in knowing what kind of personal investments have you made that helped you to get to the highest levels of leadership? 
Well, learning is a critical element of that, continuing to learn and expand your knowledge base. I know, uh, based on some of the things you do, Gabby, that that's also a really important element to you of growing your background and helping others. Of course, as you mentioned a bit in the intro, I have taken some specific coursework to help my background, including executive business leadership programs, an, an executive marketing program that was helpful to me at the time when I was more on a business development track. I also would say participating in professional organizations like the Society of Women Engineers has been very helpful to me for a couple of things. Not only do they offer an annual conference with a variety of different sessions, as do many of these professional organizations like NSBE and the Hispanic organizations and Grace Hopper and, and those sorts of things. But you can also network and develop relationships with people who have similar interests to you. And those, I believe, really help to expand the ability for you to reach out when you do have a question or you're not sure about something and you can learn from colleagues that maybe don't necessarily work with you but that are part of that network. And then finally, I think I would say that it's also really important to share that. I have been so fortunate in my career to achieve the levels that I have and it's really been important to me to reach a hand out and bring along those next people who are interested in doing those sorts of roles and positions. I've been an executive sponsor of our Women in Leadership program that is just one example of getting a group of individuals together and helping them to have a, an environment where they can ask questions in uh, a comfort zone where they might not otherwise do that and then that can help really inspire people to learn from one another and to put issues on the table so they can be resolved. So I think bringing others along with me would be a great outcome from many of the things I've done and learned in my career. Absolutely, I agree with you that continuous learning, that's how we can just continue to stay sharp and share our knowledge is just as important because others can benefit from what you've learned and apply those lessons to their own situations. And I also like your idea about joining professional organizations because I always have so much fun going to the SWE conferences and meeting up with other women that we only see each other during the conference. So once a year, perhaps, or maybe mm -hmm. every other year, depending on how often you, you go to the conference. But it's such a great opportunity to network and develop those relationships that can lead you to opening up opportunities that you didn't know were there. I think it gives you a boost when you come back from one of those sorts of engagements and it lasts for a while where you've really gotten some uh, wind under your wings as you're going forward. One other thing that I think is important about the learning, as you mentioned it, is we've probably all met people who have achieved some senior level in their career and, and then seemed to plateau. And so you can fall into the trap of believing certain things aren't possible because they weren't at some point in your background. But 
the world moves on and technology moves on and other bright minds come along. And if you're not open to trying things again or in a different way and learning from that, you can really plateau your career and end up being sort of a in the way of progress. Absolutely. I think you have to stay relevant with the technology. As, as you mentioned, technology nowadays changes from, it seems, from one day to the next, right? In some exactly. Cases. Exactly. So, I love that word relevance that you used. I think that's exactly right. And so if you're not open to trying new things, as we discussed before, then you kind of stagnate, and then that can lead to thinking, oh, wow, this is all I can do. This is as far as I can get. So people often don't realize the effort that goes into being successful. Usually we refer to the tip of the iceberg and we mm. see the success that people have and success is glamorous. So we focus on that. But it takes a lot of effort to get there. So I'm curious, as a woman in an executive leadership role, what were some of the challenges that you faced and how did you handle them? If we had a long time, I could fill you in on lots of examples for, for this question. But um, maybe I'll just talk about a couple that I think many people could resonate with and you could draw some of your own conclusions. When you take on a new role and you start to assess what's the playing field look like, where are things at with the programs and projects, uh, the people that are in roles, the customer sentiment and that sort of thing, it can really be eye-opening. And so I have an example of taking on a role where one of the first things that happened is I met with a couple of the key customers for the portfolio and I kind of got an earful. We weren't delivering. We had critical technologies that we had agreed to develop and we were falling behind. And this was not only affecting the customer's needs from a program perspective, but it was affecting the customer's reputation, the particular customer that was the leader for this program. So you have to figure out what's at the core of the problem and how do you get after solving it. And one key element is figuring out that you have to communicate even when you're having trouble. And, and that's hard when you have to go to a customer and say, this isn't going well and here are the things that are the complicating factors and here's what we're doing about it. But not communicating can really create just a bad environment, a bad relationship, a bad situation. So, and maybe back to some of the lessons learned about folks asking for help. And we had a team that was working really hard, but they were hitting some roadblocks and needed some help and they hadn't asked for it. So I was able to assess that, get the right uh, reach out to the organization, get some of the right help in place, bring the customer into the solution so that they understood what was happening and it was all very timely. And while it was difficult, it really just took some of that leadership influence to bring things back together and get on a course that led to success ultimately for the team, for the customer, and working through that. I think maybe one other thing that I would say is that sometimes you also have to assess the role you're in and the job you've been given and determine if maybe we might as a company be doing some things that would be better suited to be not part of the portfolio. 
uh, perhaps some of the biggest challenges a leader faces is deciding what not to do anymore, what to say no to as an investment so that you can say yes to other things. And we, as you know, had a divestiture just a couple of years ago of a part of the business. That was a major part of my portfolio. And it was difficult because it means an effect on people that are working in your organization and customers who are receiving something from your organization. But at the end of the day, we just weren't built for the kind of programs that that customer really needed. And when we sold that part of the portfolio, it landed in a place, a company that was so much better suited to do that. Not only is the business thriving, but the people are thriving. And so I love to see that, but I will say that those are the things that cause you to spend a lot of your mental capital worrying about how you can work that jigsaw puzzle to make sure that all the right things are happening for the company, the shareholders, and the customer. I really love that you said communication is really key. Good communication leads to good relationships, and that's what facilitates good coordination and a good way of solving the problems, like you mentioned, getting to the core of the problem. If you're not communicating with your customer, with your team, with your leaders, then I think that's not a good framework for doing business. So as someone who has worked with women in business, why do you think that we have very few women in top leadership roles, even though women exhibit key traits of a good leader, such as honesty, intelligence, passion, and innovation? Well, this is a really tough one and an important one to me. I feel like I've been sort of monitoring this kind of situation for some time and trying to figure out ways to affect it. And unfortunately, I believe that we often have a situation where women opt out sometimes of some of these roles. It is a, a bit of an uphill climb and it is difficult at times. And part of what it takes is being able to reach out to others in those roles and have that camaraderie. And so if there aren't people that you can do that with, it makes it all the more difficult. I think, as I mentioned before, my purpose, the mission that we serve in the defense and aerospace business has always been a key thing that's helped me as a sort of true north and a guidepost, but that itself doesn't make up for having other senior women to reach out to who may be facing some of the same sorts of challenges that you are. I recently came across an organization called WeQual, and part of their mission is to help women achieve some of that equity, some of that parity of senior leadership roles, executive roles, and moving on to the boardroom around the world globally. It's a global organization. And I wish I'd found it sooner, but it's only been around for a few years. And I think that's because there are others recognizing that we need to find ways to bring some of that energy to this situation. I kind of look at what women really have some superpowers in is character, showing up, being authentic in your role. They're competent 
and they can exhibit great composure. And I think when you do that, that should help build confidence. But we seem to have a bit of a gap, Gabby, in character and competence and composure leading to the confidence that we need. So I think you and I as senior leaders need to continue to just reach out and try to provide that extra bit of energy to help women achieve their potential. You mentioned women opt out, and I'm wondering why. Do you think it's because they're burnt out of having all this character and showing up and being so authentic all the time, but not being able to progress to those senior levels? Well, I think it could be. I think it could be the environment that you're in and the culture that surrounds you. And I would say that I am so fortunate to have been associated not only with organizations that are working on those differences, those challenges, but also to help change it, to be able to impact it from the top. And I think it's just incumbent on all of us that are making that success to share it with others and help move roadblocks out of the way, help ensure that people are at least getting a fair shot at senior opportunities and that we consider all viable candidates. So some of those types of practices where we ensure that we have diverse interview panels, that we have diverse slates of candidates, all of those can help. But we also need women to realize that they need to have the kind of stamina that will help them achieve these roles and then use their role to bring others along. Absolutely. So I'm thinking about working through your career and having different experiences and trying different things, but what are the top three important tools that you think young professionals should have in their toolbox and use often to be successful in their careers and help them achieve these levels? The first one we touched on a little bit earlier, and I would say that's rotate for breath. I think many people believe that if they just keep focusing on honing a particular skill or technical talent and climbing a ladder vertically, that will allow them to achieve what they would like. What I found is that when you move laterally and think about your career on a lattice as opposed to a ladder, that it allows you to gain some breadth, not just some depth in a particular area. And that rotation not only gives you experiences and keeps things fresh and interesting, but it also allows you the second thing that I think is important, and that's to say yes. When someone asks you to do something, even if it's not quite in your wheelhouse, saying yes and giving it a shot can help you not only gain some experience, but build a relationship with that person that you were willing to take a step into some unknown territory and try something different. And then finally, the third thing I would say is maintain a network. And I think this is so important, especially when you don't need it. I think it's really easy to have people in your network and as you move on to something different, to sort of leave them behind because you have other things on your mind but you never know when you're gonna need 
someone's advice or someone's help that you ran across in your background and that it's so important to build that network and keep it fresh. Absolutely. I love that you said, think of your career as a lattice rather than a ladder. And it made me think of rock climbing. When you're mm. rock climbing, you, you need different spots. You may grab on from different spots, not necessarily go up the rock or up the mountain. You have mm -hmm. different deviations and the path is a little bit rugged sometimes and maybe not so much other times, but all of those experiences really help you build your skills, build your knowledge. And saying yes, that also has been helpful in my career as well. You know, when people ask me to do something, even if it's not a glamorous thing, they're asking you to do something simple. It may lead to those people recognizing, oh, wow, so-and-so has a talent or she's reliable and so on. And that can lead to you not only learning from that experience, but also leading to other opportunities and doors that open. And the network, yes, having that network that, as you said, is so helpful to get fresh ideas, to just tap into that talent of people that you know. It's so important. Uh, here are some rapid fire questions for you. What was your first job? <laughs> I was a grocery store <laughs> checker. <laughs> That was back when you had to actually know the price and push the numbers in and then hit what department it was part of. It was much different than today when you just scan things in. Who was your superhero? I actually would say I probably have three. One is my Aunt Rosella. She's the first businesswoman that I ever met, and she was in the lumber business with my uncle. But she ran the office. She ran the operation. She paid the employees. She was they're dealing with customer issues and employee situations. And I just learned so much from her. She was just always composed and always focused on her people. I think my second one would be my partner, probably because she puts up with me. <laughs> and then Wonder Woman. I really do wish I had some of those gold bracelets once in a while that could shield whatever the challenge is from occurring. One last one then. What are you reading right now? I just finished Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. And I'm really enjoying books that not only are written by particular people, but also if you happen to be into Audible, many of these folks read their own works. And it's nice because you can kind of hear what they intended sort of through their own words. Before that, I listened to My Life in Full by Indra Nui, who was the CEO of PepsiCo for quite some time. But for fun, I like to listen to books, or read books in this case, by Nevada Barr. And she just has a series where she writes about a female heroine who is a park ranger in all the different national parks around the country, and there's always some good mystery going on. How fun, how fun. Mary, thank you so much for sharing your journey to the executive ranks with us. Thank you for having me, Gabby. I know that it's so important to the audience you're reaching with uh, your work, your learning series, and your podcasts. And thank you for having the courage to continue to put these sorts of great learning elements together. You're so kind. In closing, remember that you're not alone in your educational or career journey. Seek to form a community around you that will encourage you to be the best version of yourself and accomplish your goals. 
Thanks to my guest, Mary Patrician, retired corporate vice president and president of Northrop Grumman Defense Systems Sector. Thanks to Roger Cove for endless reviews and encouragement. And thanks to Joe, always. Keys to the Future podcast is available anywhere you get your podcasts. You can follow Keys to the Future on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. I'm Gabby Coe, and I'll be back next week with another episode of Keys to the Future. Thank you.